Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome to another edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Dennis Ackerman. The Raiders returned to the field Sunday against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and it was an ugly 45-20 Tampa Bay victory. It was actually a four-point game with around seven minutes to play, and then it completely unraveled for the Raiders. All the optimism and the excitement following the win over the Chiefs is gone with the win. And now the Raiders find themselves 3-3 three and three and headed to Cleveland next Sunday to face a 5-2 and two Browns team. Two weeks ago, there was so much momentum following the Kansas City game. They had a bye, and then it was time to get ready for Tom Brady and the Bucks. But earlier this week, starting right tackle Trent Brown tested positive for COVID-19. He's asymptomatic, but it forced the rest of the offensive line, along with starting safety Jonathan Abram, to be sent home because of contact tracing. So Colton Miller, Gabe Jackson, Rodney Hudson, and Denzel Good have to test negative five straight days. And if they all pass the test, then they become eligible to play the morning of the game. But since Jonathan Abram went into contact tracing on Wednesday, he wouldn't be able to play. As you know, the game was originally scheduled Sunday night, primetime on NBC. So I understand the league wants to make sure there's a game Sunday night because it's always their highest rated contest. But what does the NFL do? Instead of moving the Raiders game to, say, Monday or even Tuesday, oh, no, they do the exact opposite. They move the game up four hours to a one o'clock start. Now, Raider Nation, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't the league move games for Tennessee, New England, Buffalo, and Kansas City from the weekend to a weekday? Now, look, I'm not big on conspiracy theories, but what the league and Commissioner Roger Goodell did to the Raiders was absolutely wrong. How do you expect a team to be at their best when their entire offensive line can't practice all week? And you're not sure if you're going to be available until the morning of the game? That's absolutely ridiculous. Starting left tackle Colton Miller said he worked out in his garage gym all week and then showed up for the game and did the best he could. I need someone from the league to explain to me how this is allowed to happen. It makes absolutely no sense. Your offensive line doesn't practice all week and doesn't even know if they're going to play till hours before kickoff? That is just not right. You know, I understand this season is a fluid situation because of COVID-19. But if you're going to move games around to accommodate other teams because of the coronavirus, then do it for all the teams, and that includes the Raiders. I don't know if this is payback for Gruden not wearing his mask on the sideline against the Carolina Panthers. You know, he was fine for that, as was the organization. Or allowing an unapproved member of the organization in the locker room following the win over New Orleans. Or perhaps several Raider players not wearing masks at a fundraiser organized by tight end Darren Waller. I don't know. But the Raiders were at a competitive disadvantage leading all the way up to this game. And with that being said, the Raiders were still in the game early in the fourth quarter with an opportunity to win. And even if they didn't win, they had a great opportunity to at least cover. Obviously, I'm fired up. 
It's crazy to think the Raiders have been home dogs in all three games. And following today's loss, they're now one and two against the spread. They've lost to the Bucks and Bills and covered against the Saints. They still have five more home games to go this season. and includes all three division opponents, as well as Indianapolis and Miami. As of right now, I would think they would be favored in at least four of them. And then a home dog against Kansas City. Still a long way to go in the season, Raider Nation. And if you want to put any money down on the Raiders, then you should head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Okay, time to hand out some grades. And I'm going to start with the defense. Now, as you know, I haven't been as quick to blame defensive coordinator Paul Gunther, like so many others, for all the defensive issues. And we know there are so many. In the first few weeks, I said the defense was a work in progress. A lot of new faces, no OTAs, altered training camp, and no preseason games. After that, I said the Raiders don't really have a lot of pieces in place for this to be at least a middle-of-the-road defense. But then they turn in a great second half against the Chiefs, playing their best football of the season. So, hey, maybe there's hope. Maybe the defense has turned the corner. But following Sunday's performance, if you could call it that, I'm out of excuses for Gunther. He's simply not the answer. He's just not. Now, I don't think Gruden would make a change during the season. But barring some unforeseen turnaround in the last 10 games, Gunther's tenure will be and should be done by the end of the season. I don't want to hear the Raiders were down a couple of starters and Jonathan Abram and rookie cornerback Damon Arnett. Every team in the league is dealing with injuries and players are nicked or dinged up in some form or some fashion. <coughs> Three, two, one. Every team in the league is dealing with injuries and players are nicked or dinged up in some form or fashion right now. I mean, listen to some of the numbers from Sunday's game. The Bucks hung 45 points on the scoreboard. I know two of those were short drives because the Raiders' offense couldn't get out of its own way late in the fourth quarter when they were playing catch-up. The defense gave up 29 first downs, 454 total yards of offense. Brady was 33 of 45 for 369 yards and four touchdowns. And, of course, the Raiders' defense failed to record a sack. And they had one pressure on Brady for the game. One. Let that sink in, Raider Nation. Through six games, the Raiders' defense has seven sacks. That ranks 31st in the league. They're tied for last with three takeaways. And they give up nearly 33 points a game. That's 31st in the NFL. Those numbers are absolutely horrific. Just terrible. Raiders linebacker Corey Littleton, who was supposed to be the gem of the Raiders free agent class, said after the game, the Raiders practice great. And they just have to find a way to carry that over to the games. Boy, I don't know about that, Corey. At this point, that is just hard to believe. There were two drives in particular that stood out to me. The first one was late in the first half, and the Bucks get the ball back with 219 to play from their own 12. Raiders go prevent, trying to prevent three, two, and one. The Raiders go prevent, trying to keep everything in front of them. So you figure worst case scenario, the Bucks get a field goal, 
and the Raiders go to halftime trailing by a touchdown. But they get the ball to start the second half. Well, on the drive, the Bucs convert a third and four early. And for the game, they were seven for 12. Then with under a minute to play, the Raiders D allows the Bucs to convert a fourth and three from the 41 to keep the drive alive. At that point, you're still thinking, okay, field goal. But two plays later, Brady finds Scotty Miller behind the secondary for a touchdown to put Tampa up two scores. The prevent defense is supposed to keep everything in front of you. So how do you let the receiver get behind you? And then let's go to the second half. The Raiders had just kicked a field goal to make it a 24-20 game. The Bucs offense facing a third and 13 from its own 30-yard line. Hey, you force a three and out. You have all the momentum. The offense is getting the ball back. Raiders might have an opportunity to actually take the lead in this one. Instead, what happens? Raiders defense plays a soft zone. Brady goes underneath to Leonard Fournette. What does he do? Picks up 13 yards and a first down. The Bucs converted a couple more third downs on the drive, which led to another Brady touchdown pass. Made it a 31-20 lead. It was an 11-play, 67-yard drive that took over five minutes and eventually ended the game. When the Raiders can't pressure the quarterback, there's no way the back end of the defense can hold up. You cannot let the greatest quarterback of all time sit in the pocket and not make him uncomfortable. The way to beat Brady is to hit him. Hit him as much as possible. Just like the New York Giants did in their two Super Bowl victories over the Patriots. Here's Gruden on the Raiders' defense, or lack thereof. All right, let's look at the Raiders' sack totals this season, and it won't take very long. Max Crosby, four to lead them. Chris Smith and Nevin Lawson, one apiece. Carl Nassib, who they paid a lot of money to in the offseason, he has half a sack, as does Maurice Hurst. Cleland Farrell. The fourth overall pick in last year's draft does not have a sack. Former third-round pick Arden Key does not have a sack. These guys have three, two, one. These guys have to start making some plays. It's as simple as that. Right now, this team has one playmaker on defense, and that's Jonathan Abram. The Raiders' defense gets an F for this game. And for that fact, the season as well. Okay, how about the Raiders' offense? When I previewed this game, I told you the Bucks' defense was one of the best in the NFL. Maybe perhaps the best. And you know how Gruden likes to be balanced. But with Josh Jacobs gaining just 17 yards on 10 carries, it's hard to be balanced. He was a non-factor. And for the season, Jacobs is averaging... Just over four, three, two, one. He was a non-factor. And for the season, Jacobs is averaging only 3.4 yards a carry. I don't know if it's due to all the injuries on the offensive line or what, but that average needs to be at least four yards a chunk. The Raiders came into this game down a couple of linemen as Trent Brown was out with COVID-19 and Richie Igtop, three, two, one. The Raiders came into this game down a couple of linemen already as Trent Brown was out with COVID-19 and Richie Incognito is still recovering from Achilles injury. 
but it got worse as the game went along. Sam Young, who got the start at right tackle, suffered a knee injury and had to be replaced by Brandon Parker. Can someone please tell Parker he has to line up on the line of scrimmage? Twice in this game, he was called for an illegal formation. And this has been an issue for him since he came in the league three years ago. He's so worried about getting beat at the line of scrimmage, he tries to line up as deep as possible. But Brandon, it's not working, and it's a legal formation. Now, I'm not sure what happened with Gabe Jackson, but he was eventually ejected after the Raiders made it 24-17. to After the game, the ref said that Jackson stepped on one of the Bucks players who was lying on the ground. Now, we still haven't seen any video evidence of it, but my goodness, we're already down. Three, two, and one. You know, back to the running game. The Raiders had just 76 yards rushing, and the only reason it was that high was a couple of runs by Jalen Richard in garbage time. Tampa's defense hasn't given up 100 yards rushing to any team this season, and overall they give up around three yards a carry. With the ground game halted, Gruden was 3-2-1. and one. With the ground game halted, Gruden was forced to throw up more than he wanted to, and the result was 36 passes and 24 runs. I know it's always easy to second guess, but I thought a pivotal play was early in the fourth quarter. The Raiders faced a fourth and one from the Bucks' 17 yard line. Raiders trailed by a touchdown. Now I go back to the end of the Kansas City game when the Raiders faced a fourth and one and Carr did a quarterback sneak for a first down to ice the game. Run the same play. I know Tampa has a great D, but you need touchdowns. You need touchdowns to keep up with Tampa, not field goals. You can't trust the Raiders' defense right now, so you got to be aggressive. Gruden said after the game, he was comfortable with the decision. Yeah, I mentioned that exact play that Gruden was referring to, which allowed the Bucs to convert a third and long. It's just a backbreaker. Quarterback Derek Carr threw for nearly 300 yards, completing 24 of 36 for two touchdowns. He also had an interception for the second straight game. He also had another one nullified by a penalty. Carr's now throwing two touchdown passes in five straight games. Carr was complimentary of the Bucks D following the loss. And don't ever question Carr's tuck. Three, two, and one. Nelson Aguilar led the Raiders receivers with five receptions for more than 100 yards and a touchdown. He was targeted nine times, as was tight end Darren Waller. But Henry Ruggs III was targeted just three times. He had two receptions for 35 yards. He also had one rush for 10 yards. Ruggs is a playmaker. He can be a difference maker. The Raiders, and in particular head coach John Gruden, who calls the plays, has got to get Ruggs more involved in the offense. You selected him with the first pick in the draft. Three, two, and one. There was a reason why you selected him in the first round. He was the number one receiver taken in the draft. 
Get him involved early and often moving forward. Put the pressure on the defense. Give the Raiders offense effort a C. The special teams unit was solid as Daniel Carlson continued his impressive season, banging home a couple of field goals. Raiders also pulled off a successful fake punt by Jeff Heat. Three, two, and one. The special teams was solid as Daniel Carlson continued his impressive season, banging home a couple of field goals. The Raiders also pulled off a successful fake punt by Jeff Heath when the outcome of the game was still very much in doubt. It eventually led to a Carlson field goal. Punter A.J. Cole averaged just over 40 yards on three punts. I'll give the special teams an A. All right, Raider Nation, up next is the Cleveland Browns, and I will have a preview of that one coming up later this week. As for now, that's going to do it for this edition of the Believe in Raiders podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Dennis Ackerman. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.